Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, we're excited. Emily is now taking the guest chair on on today Mm -hmm. for the show because we are talking about our side hustles. If you missed the last episode, episode 400, I dove into my health and wellness company, how I grew it to 10K a month with no sales page and no email list. So be sure to check that out. But today we are diving into Emily's business and how she has grown a product-based business from her office at home, hand making literally everything she sells. We are talking about four major thoughts and ideas around how people typically grow their business. And we want to hear Emily's take on how this has worked or didn't work, or maybe it's something she's ignoring inside of her current business. So Emily lovingly refers to it as a side hustle. I think it's because she hasn't quite grasped the idea that maybe this is actually another full-blown business for her. (laughs) But tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started. I make polymer clay earrings, jewelry, but mostly earrings, a couple of necklaces from home and sell them online. As you guys have, who have been listening for years, we're probably a part of our journey way back, like two years ago at this point, when we were both kind of chatting about what's something that we could have creatively on the side, whether it be a business or a hobby or just something that we like doing. So I dabbled in that for a while. I picked up my paintbrushes again. I have a art degree, by the way. And so I'm very familiar messing around with paints and sketching and all of that fun stuff. Did that for like a year and it felt really good. It got me out of like creative funk that I was in and it got me doing just some fun stuff on the side. And then we moved and I didn't pick up a paintbrush for another like seven or eight months. And so had the itch again to just get my hands dirty and like literally make something and get creative and do something. And so it was like, early spring of 2019, where I came across this like 
Pinterest DIY of how to make these like clay keychains or something like that. And so I was like, sweet, I'm just going to go to the craft store and get some stuff and make it happen. So I did. And my mom came over and we made keychains and earrings and tried to figure out clay and messed around. And I realized that in the coming weeks and months that I just kept wanting to learn more about how to get better at it and how to not make it break and how to make this color and how to make this design. And I just kept playing with it. And so that was like in April. So August of that year is when I did my first launch and I was like, Hey, I've made enough now. And I've let people kind of know what I've been working on doing. How about I like try to sell these and see what happens? Yeah. And the launch (laughs) girlfriend, how did it go? So the launch sold out. I mean, granted, there was like 20 to 25 pieces. It's not like... Quit it. Quit (laughs) it. It doesn't matter how many pieces you had. You had never sold products online before. You didn't even know how to make these things a couple of months prior. You were still learning. Like these weren't... I mean, looking back, they were not your best work. (laughs) No, no. Uh, but, but people still bought. <laughs> people bought it and ate it up. So how do you think you landed in that position where people even cared enough to want to be a part of what you had going on? Isn't that the magical question? Because I feel like if we had the answer to that, we would all be super successful because Mm -hmm. I still don't really know. For full transparency, I was selling on my personal Instagram account that at the time I think was like, a low 3k followers. I posted not regularly. No, not at all. Like no, not even stories. No, like she was just like, so random. No, I was hardly ever on stories. I would post on my feed, like a coffee cup or something about parenting or a project I did at home. Right. It was truly, truly a personal account. And then I started kind of just doing stories of me working on earrings Mm -hmm. and that took off like crazy. I shit you not. It was like 70 people were watching my stories when I was never there. And it was like probably all family and a couple of people from boss project. And then it went to like 500, 700, 900, like really, really quickly. So like, that's like 30% of your audience almost. 25 to 30%. Yeah. And I hardly ever rely on, I don't say I don't rely on analytics to make decisions, but like, I don't fall into the like, oh, because I have this many followers, then I can do this. Like I do things without that many followers all the time. That's how I landed a free moving truck for when we moved into our new house. That was Uh, such (laughs) bullshit. I call, by the way, (laughs) girl, I just don't even understand. I just have the audacity. But when I looked at stories, it truly told me, I was like, okay, like people, People actually are having fun and they're coming back and watching. And I wasn't selling every time. I was just giving more behind the scenes of how the things are getting made and some more videos of my kid and like coffee and all that stuff. And so it felt really fun for me because it felt like to me what Instagram was before stories came when the feed was more like had higher engagement for me. And so that feeling of interacting with other people 
was really great and fun. So do you talk to them or is most people just watching? Oh no. So I get, I get DMs out the wazoo and I respond to every single one. I think it's really funny that if you guys knew how many unread text messages I have on my phone and unlisten to voicemails and yeah, I literally, I, I literally had Abby delete my secret email that I made for work because I hadn't checked it in a year and a half. And it was costing me $50 for her not to check it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, you can get rid of that. It's totally fine. And she was like, is there anything in there that you need to check on and keep? And I said, I don't know. Just get rid of it. Just burn it. I don't care. But I think because, I don't know, stories are are just quicker and easier for me to chat with people. And I do truly enjoy it still that I do make time for it. I do voice memos a lot because it's easier for me to respond that way. But yeah. I do respond to literally every single person. So if you are looking at some of these major strategies to grow a business, how do you feel like social media has impacted this business over perhaps what you've done in the past? I think social media gives people a more behind the scenes. And so they're, they're getting to be a part of the process, which I think a lot of us love specifically why it worked for me is because I did have a lot of people come over from boss projects. So they have known me for years. They had followed along with this company and were getting to know me as a person. And I think that was really exciting for them and for me to share. I think they were also really in support of my mission because I talked about it a lot of Hey, I'm just trying this and I just needed a creative outlet and this feels fun for me and this is crazy and this is happening. And a lot of people love the beginning of stories, a lot of people, and a lot of people like to support the underdog when they're the underdog and they don't know what they're doing and they're making mistakes left and right, but they're being vulnerable and they're sharing all the things. A lot of people just like seeing that in other humans. And so when you are able to share that about your business or your growth or your health or whatever it is, I feel like that's the biggest opportunity and time frame to capitalize on growth on that platform or in that way. So do you still see yourself as that person or? Yes and no. So yes, because I still like admit that I'm learning and I'm trying new techniques with earrings and then I'll try necklaces or I'll try a pop-up for the first time. And people love hearing about that, but very similar to what we talked about in your episode, I actually wrote this down when you were chatting, we hit a very similar roadblock and we are in a similar roadblock. So you shared in your episode that it took you about six months with about 3k followers to reach 10k in sales. And that's about where you are right now. It took me five months to reach 15K in sales. I now have about 4K followers, but that's increased in the last couple of weeks. And I have a similar roadblock where things aren't growing at that same first six, five month rate. They're staying consistent or they're dipping a little bit and then going back up to consistent, but they're not doubling like they were from the first month, right? Yeah. And I remember, and I had chatted with you when I first started where I was like, okay, I made a launch of 25 and I sold them out. If I made a launch of 30 or 35 or 40, would those still sell out? And so I was chatting with you about like, what is my threshold? And so I kept going up a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's still interesting because sometimes I'll have a launch of like 25, 30 pieces and some of them won't sell out. And then sometimes I'll have a launch of 40 and that will sell out. And so for me, it's a really weird game since it is a physical product 
that I can hand make. So I can literally make a new item every single day if I wanted to. It's the game of turning the right dial on quantity, on style, on color, on when to launch, how many to like all of those things impact the success of a launch. And I'm still figuring that out. And I share that and I openly talk about it. And so I think that aspect still has people excited about the new beginning of the journey. But I definitely don't think it's as sexy as it was in August. Sure. And I think part of it, just from the outside looking in, I've been doing this a little longer than you've been doing what you're doing, Mm -hmm. mostly because you started out painting and then changed your mind and put it down and whatever. (laughs) Right, right. But I'm not (laughs) sure you will know for another year or two what the seasonality of your business is like. Because while a lot of people will argue that seasonality really only affects certain types of business, I completely disagree. I think it affects every type of business And some businesses, they will go against the grain of the typical seasonality because they're special or they have like a certain thing. Like for instance, like if you're in the wedding industry, right now is engagement season and your busy season is in the summertime. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of businesses have their biggest season in the fall and holidays And the summer is like really dead. Obviously, there are things that will change that or whatever. But I think it'll be interesting to see, I will hypothesize now, that you will always have a bigger fall and holiday season than you will spring. Well, my holiday season was not that great. August, September, October, amazing. November, huge dip. December, I did like a very mini restock because I was like, fuck this. I'm going to hang out and (laughs) stay at home and I didn't want to do anything. Sure. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Well, so with all that being said, let's talk about a couple of other strategies. For those of you who don't know, Emily started blogging before I started blogging. And for a long time, it's a little bit all over the place. (laughs) And then after we started Boss Project... You did start blogging again, but mostly about personal and parenting and all of that. Mm -hmm. Have you utilized your blog at all for this business? And if not, why not? No, I think I fall in the same thing that a lot of physical product. I know because our, our physical product students have asked this same thing or talked about the same thing. It's like, what do you want in a blog post about earrings, right? I don't aim to be a style blogger, so I'm not going to do, I don't know, I could still do mood boards. I'm not saying that I couldn't brainstorm what could work. I just don't feel excited to try it. I use Pinterest sure. and I pin things from my site and from stocks, but I have yet to write a single piece of content on my blog. Now, Instagram feed for sure about earrings. Sure. So with Pinterest specifically, is there anything you're doing consistently or like has anything led to sales yet there? Or are you mostly just getting traffic? I'm mostly just getting traffic. I have not had a sale yet. I'm going to pull up my analytics right now and double check that. I'm using it as a traffic builder because when November came and like sales were a little bit low, well, okay, I take that back. First of all, I think it was in October. It might've been also November, but at some point there was like a weird glitch in the algorithm of stories on Instagram and 
everyone's story views tanked for like a, some, a couple of weeks. It wasn't just me. There was like multiple people talking about it. And so that was my first sign. I was like, oh shit, shit. Like stories, specifically stories, not Instagram, but stories is the way I'm making the majority of my sales. I need to diversify that because if my account gets shut down for some reason or whatever, like there literally goes my sales. And so I started to do an email list and pinning more of my content to at least bring traffic in mm-hmm. from another place. So as of for traffic source for last year, Instagram made up 60% of my orders and Pinterest is at zero. Facebook is at, well, two orders. So very, very small percent. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So since your email has been effective, I know I remember the day vividly. (laughs) You messaged me and you're like... I don't want to start an email list. Mm -hmm. I just have, I just don't want to manage one more thing, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to do this trial and see what happens. And then you came at me like maybe like a day or two later and you're like, damn it, it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So like, talk to me about your trial email and then what you notice from that. So this is a strategy I wanted to share. And I know I mentioned this in a podcast I did with Steph Crowder in a lot more detail. So definitely go to Courage and Clarity and listen to that one because I break down a lot more in the moment of what's working, what's not working in my side hustle. But one of the things that I really wish I could gift people the skill more is how to find the ROI of something before you actually invest in it. So using free trials or using something that kind of serves the same purpose. So you can see if you're going to get a sale from that before you upgrade your website, right? For products, there are three different Squarespace tiers, one of them being like $500 a year, but it unlocks different features like abandoned cart or more analytics. But are those things actually going to make you that money back? Or do you just think they're going to email, right? Cost you money. Is it going to actually bring you more sales? So with the Squarespace email campaigns, you get to send three emails with their trial. So I literally told myself, if I don't make any money, on these three emails, I'm not going to upgrade. I think I made like $600 the first email I sent. $600 for one email. Yeah. Email last year made up 14% of my revenue. That's still a lot. And I also specifically said, I am willing to throw out all the bells and whistles that ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, MailChimp can give me for a huge compromise, a huge compromise aesthetically and functionality wise to use Squarespace campaigns because they directly tie into my Squarespace analytics. And I can see specifically this campaign made me this much money. Email made me this much money last year. That knowledge to me was worth more than the sacrifice. Yeah. Because the crazy part about this is like, Squarespace is attempting to be an all-in-one e-commerce platform, I think mostly so they can attempt to compete with some of the larger platforms. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if those other platforms necessarily have email fully integrated so that you can get this kind of data. Because you would come at me and say, not only did X amount of people open it, But I know who clicked the email, what they went and visited on the site, and then what they bought. And knowing that information is huge. Yeah. And it breaks it down into, it tells you the conversion rate of that email, the average order value of those emails, and the average online revenue per visit from those emails. That's cool. Like it's bananas. So like average order through my emails is $43. And the conversion rate on emails is 17.5%. Conversion rate on emails is 17. Yeah. Yeah. So like when people are going in there and clicking. Yeah. Whoa. Uh Uh-huh. That's really high. Because also, 
and this is another thing I wanted to share is decide how you want to handle different aspects of your business, whether it be customer service, coupon codes, loyalty, emails, all those things. Decide how you're going to handle those and and stick with it and stay consistent. I feel like sometimes we make those decisions in the moment and we're like, I don't know who to send this discount code to. I don't know if I should offer a refund or I don't know. And we do it case by case by case by case. And I decided very early on, and I think because I still treat this as a hobby that happens to make me some money, I was a lot more lax (laughs) than I am in this company, for instance, where I'm just like, if you message me and your earrings arrived broken or whatever, no questions asked. I'm just going to send you another pair. Like if this, which obviously I feel like most people do. I just feel like I'm much more chill and the customer service side on this aspect. And because of that, I've gotten multiple emails and people DMing me on Instagram who are just like, your customer service is amazing. How you handle things is outstanding. Like I love working with you, all that stuff. Cause it's an experience. It's not just your buying earrings. But one of those instances is I decided that I was only going to offer coupon codes to existing customers. So I decided I did not want to offer a pop-up that said, get 10% off your first order by popping in your email below. I want loyalty above anything else. And because of that, it's higher conversion rates on my email list. It's higher open rates, all that kind of stuff. And you publicly tell people on social media that that's how you handle it too. You're like, mm-hmm. hey, if you want a discount, you, you got to buy a pair first and then you can get on my email list and I'll send you. Yep. So you have to essentially kind of become part of your community in order to get that kind of treatment. And I think, I think it's unique that in both of our businesses that we treat existing customers almost with higher regard than potential customers. Not that potential customers aren't amazing, but like these people who've shown us loyalty are huge. They do incredible things for our business. And so we should treat them with that level of respect and honor and stuff. Yeah. So with all of this kind of floating around, and things are working, but also you've kind of, you've still hit some roadblocks and like not really knowing what growth looks like for you, or even if that's what you want, what's next for you? Are you going to explore new strategies? Are you going to keep doing the same old, same old? What's your plan? It's going to be a lot of the same. I'm going to keep sharing on stories. I'm going to keep doing pop-up restocks, going to keep growing my traffic on Pinterest. I think one of my first goals is how to convert that traffic on Pinterest. So like they're landing on a listing, but they're not buying probably because I sell out a lot of stuff every stock. And so I've tried to only pin the stuff that's like as a made to order listing. So it's there all the time, but that's not always the case. Am I sending them to a different pay? I don't know. I think investigating a little bit more into Pinterest on how I can convert that traffic to sales. Cause I'm getting a shit ton of traffic from Pinterest because I want to diversify where my sales are coming from. I think just like a lot of product owners deal with, I'm constantly asking myself, do I need more options, more colors, more styles? Do I need to stick with the same basics? Do I need to like limit overwhelm? Do I need to be known for something? What does that look like? And does that even feel fun? But two examples I wrote down were like how Kendra Scott started with the one shape of gemstone as earrings and the necklace, and that exploded, right? And Nickel and Suede is a local company here that's also exploded. And she got started with the same teardrop shape. She did different colors, but she stuck with the same material and the same shape. 
And so I don't know if I had the same shape every single time in just different colors, if that would build a brand faster than making stuff that feels good. I think it's the shorty, (laughs) my leopard shorties. I'm a fan, but I do like the experimentation. So I totally get that it's hard because I think in those two examples, they're both earring examples, but they both, unlike you, and I don't know if this is a right or wrong thing, but they both literally did not while they had a signature, that was the only thing they did. Like they didn't, they didn't stray from their single shape. I know. Like it was like the same shape, same shape, same shape, same shape. That's what I'm saying. That's I'm like, I don't know if I could do that and commit to that. Cause like, what would be your signature shape? I know. It's like a <laughs> stressful, but it's like, do you even want that bigness? Like at the same time, because exactly just because I do that doesn't mean I'm getting that same level of, you know, right. There's a lot of things that helped them grow. For sure. Totally. You could pick apart someone's success a million different ways. And yeah, was it because they had the same shape earring? I don't know. Right. But like Rustic Cuff also, which is a local to Oklahoma brand, she did the same thing. Whereas a cuff and it was a cuff and a beaded bracelet. Those are the only things like still to this day that she offers and like branched out in a couple of other things, kind of like Kendra Scott, where it's like some nail polish or some this, that or the other. But like those have been her staples forever. And I mean, she is monster brand. But just in that market. I don't know. Like, cause if you, but I don't fucking care if it's just in that market, she's a multimillionaire. For sure. That's true. <laughs> but you're also hand making everything. And like, yeah. I can't even imagine I'm excited for you to see where this goes and see how it grows and evolves for you. I would like you to touch on before we go into talk strategy to me a little bit about your attitude. (laughs) (laughs) What part of it? Because I think it's interesting your level of basically attempting to not care, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Even though I think deep down at this point, you do, but you just keep wanting to not. (laughs) I don't disagree with you. I keep wanting to not because it's healthier for me to not. But I think whether you've acknowledged it or not, deep down, you are starting to care more about your results. Well, and I think that's the question, right? How do we allow ourselves to care about our results, be proud of when we're successful and, you know, ask ourselves questions if something didn't go the way that we wanted? How can we do that and separate ourselves and our worth from our results? Because I haven't figured out how to do that is why I'm not allowing myself to go deep into the like, this is my side business and these are its goals and this is what I want it to do because it's really hard for me to separate my worth, myself, my person from the results that it gets or doesn't get. So I don't know. I'm still figuring that out. I like the extra money every month though. So that's... No, for (laughs) sure. For sure. Well, see, and that's interesting. So, okay. While we've shared strategies and while we're both like publicly running this thing, like it's not like it's a secret that we have other businesses. I think interestingly, we both don't really talk about performance wise, what has actually done. You're not being like, do you, was that intentional? So I've talked about it a little bit in the sense that I've shared like when I, you know, had my 300th customer or order or whatever, mm-hmm. when I hit 10K, I shared that. And I talk a lot of numbers on Steph's podcast. Again, this is the realm of, is it appropriate to share 
is it actually helpful to share or is it distracting? Yeah. Uh, Because I'm not building a strategy business like we have here, building people who want to make their ear holes look good. (laughs) And so (laughs) they don't give a shit how much I made last month. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find that balance of like, I do love sharing and teaching. So I want to say all of the things, Mm -hmm. but I'm also like, is that really helpful and needed? And I'm sure you're starting to experience this because I know I am. At first, not surprisingly, the majority of people supporting us were friends, family, and boss project students. But now I'm sure, just like me, you are experiencing growth from people that do not run businesses. You have customers that don't even realize that you run this company. And how that will impact your business long term will be interesting. So take me into talk strategy to me. If I am running a product-based business, I want it to see success, but I also don't want to be tied so much to my results. What are three to five things you think are really important that I focus on to see growth? I think the first thing, and this is what I would advise anyone for doing any business, but just like fucking sell your thing. Don't wait. Do it. Get it listed. It's not going to be perfect. If you have to like mail a new pair to every single person who bought in your first launch because they're garbage, like you'll do that. I didn't have to do that, but you'll do that, right? You will do anything it takes. So just do it. Just get it out there and kind of see. I will say because running a product-based business is more expensive than running a service-based business, for example, because you're needing postage and packaging and boxes and labels and potentially business cards and all of the things that go in with that. And you might need different softwares like your shipping or postage platform, a higher e-commerce platform, all of these different things. It can get pricey. So find the ROI before and upgrading a system. Some things you have no option but to like get, but have that and know what that ROI is. And keep it simple. I know so many product-based business owners who are like doing exquisite custom branded packaging before they've even mailed their first item. And I don't think that's necessarily money well spent. I would rather you have consistent sales that you know are coming before you have luxury packaging and everything that goes in with that, right? I have decided, and I think it helped me because I wanted to keep it this small little side thing. I deliberately was like only ordering mailers as I needed them. I only ordered boxes as I needed them. And so I didn't have like a basement full of all of these things that now I can't get out of my house. And so over time, granted, it's only been six months, I was able to look ahead and say, okay, I can save a bit more if I order twice as many boxes because I know now that I'm going to be able to get those out. You don't have to do that your very first week or month though. Really, really pay attention to what's actually happening. And something we didn't really touch on, but I know you brought up a lot, is that relationships still matter in this product-based business. I think that the relationships I already had that already existed on my Instagram and just in life got me through those first couple of months but it's new relationships and it's building those networks that are going to help me grow from here. And so if I want to be doing pop-ups, if I want to be doing workshops, if I want to be featured in places, that's where this is going to come handy. And so that's another thing when you ask me, like, what am I focused on? It's that. It's me getting outside of my comfort zone and building connections and relationships with people who, who might help me grow. Totally. 
those connections can take you so far and can result in unexpected things. I'll just say that. I know I have some unexpected things in the works right now that make me very nervous, but those relationships are vital and worth it. And probably more so than this, it's important to note that these people actually turn into your friends, that you actually care about them. You're not like fake friends with them to get a sale. Like that's weird and don't do that. Don't do that. I know... I know everyone's already seen your earrings, but if they haven't, or if they would like to see more behind the scenes of what you're doing, where can they hang out with you online? So I'm on stories over on Instagram at Emily Says. My name is spelled kind of weird. So it's E-M-Y-L-E-E Says, S-A-Y-S. And emilysays.com. You can see if there's stock available right now for you to snag a pair of earrings. I would love for you to do that and tag me. If you want to hear more about, I talk about like the culture that I've specifically been intentional about building with this company, the results money-wise and analytics-wise that I got every single launch that I did in the first five months, I highly encourage you to go to Courage and Clarity Podcast and listen I can't remember what number it is, but it was very recent. And so just look for my face on Steph's feed and go give that one a listen. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.